Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you're not feeling too devilish or malicious today, why not hit the like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our first story of the day is by Redman08-2001. Don't want to give me my bacon? That's fine. This happened to me about a year ago, during the peak of COVID, and I thought I would share it. There were several restaurants that were struggling last year, somewhere near the peak of COVID. Several shut down completely, and others fired all of their staff just to try to stay afloat. Around this time, my wife and I made it a habit to order takeout from our favorite establishments. We always tipped the standard 20 plus percent, despite these always being takeout orders. One restaurant in particular forgot to include the bacon that was supposed to come with our order. The order was around $20 with a tip of around $5, so around $25 total. When you picked up your order from this restaurant, you had to park and come inside. There was no drive through or curbside pickup. On this particular day, I picked up our order as usual and drove home, around a 5 minute drive. We immediately discovered that the bacon we had ordered was missing, so I called the restaurant. I expected a call and simply have them refund the around $3 cost of the bacon. Simple enough, right? Wrong. This restaurant only had one person working the front, so when you called, you knew exactly who you were speaking with. When I called and stated that they must have forgotten to include the bacon, before I had any chance of any type of resolution, refund, replacement, etc., this person informed me that there was a large sign in the restaurant instructing customers to check their orders for accuracy before leaving the store. As it turns out, the sign they mentioned was there. The instructions for checking your order was one of about five notes hastily written on a piece of printer paper taped to a wall. It was out of the way, not obvious, and sloppily handwritten. However, I had failed to read this note and I'd failed to check my order for accuracy before leaving the store. I admitted this and asked them to either refund the around $3 or I could come pick up the missing bacon. Definitely not a preferred option, but whatever. The restaurant refused these requests, told me the missing bacon was my fault, and went as far as to question whether the bacon had actually been forgotten, stating that they remembered packing my order. This is where the malicious compliance comes in. They had basically accused me of lying of about $3 worth of bacon that was missing from an order. This conversation had escalated quickly in the span of about 30 seconds, and I was pissed. I informed this person that they had failed to provide what I had ordered and that I would be forced to seek compensation. All $3 worth. I asked how they would prefer I go about seeking this compensation, hoping that they would succumb and just give me a $3 refund. However, to no one's surprise but my own, the restaurant told me to go ahead and file a chargeback because they had video proof and that I would lose that chargeback case. So I did exactly that. I called up my credit card company and filed a chargeback. This chargeback was for $3 on a $25 charge. 
only $3, not the full charge. The agent with my credit card company offered to simply refund the $3 several times, but I kept insisting that it was the principle of it at this point, so I proceeded with the chargeback. There's paperwork that you have to fill out if a merchant contests a chargeback. About three months after initiating the chargeback, I get paperwork in the mail that instructs me to provide all of the proof I have. I provided no proof other than a recollection of what the merchant had stated including them stating that they had video evidence of the bacon going into my order. I felt like I'd already won at this point. It was costing them time and energy, and I was happy to fight the fight, all for the sake of $3. A couple of months after I submitted this follow-up paperwork, I get a letter from the credit card company stating that they decided in my favor and that the merchant was forced to credit me the $3. A big win for humanity. What people don't know is that a chargeback costs the merchant, especially small merchants, and this cost can be easily upwards of $100, despite the chargeback being only 3 Additionally, if a merchant has enough chargebacks, a card processor may increase the merchant's rates or discontinue a contract entirely. Basically, any chargeback a small merchant has on their record is bad. So all in all, the restaurant instructed me to file a chargeback, I wasted a ton of their time, ended up costing them in the neighborhood of $100 for the chargeback fee, and won the $3 that they should have just credited me in the first place. I'm kind of curious, if you go and you pick up some food, and you're driving home, you get all the way home, and you realize an order you made specifically with bacon is missing the bacon, but everything else is still there, would you personally call in and complain about it? Either try to get some kind of refund or promotional item, or would you rather just leave it and maybe not order there the next time or be extra careful? Let me know what you would do in the comments. Our next story is by The Weirdo. You must be constantly working. Many moons ago, I worked at this nursing home. I was maintenance and grounds. My team got a new boss and he came in big man on campus. He calls me into his office. You must be constantly working. You get three breaks, two 15s and a 30. And if you work through them, then so be it. Okay. I smoked then, so my 15s meant a lot to me. I'd hang with administration, and we'd just shoot the crap. I go back into the shop, and my boss comes raging into the shop. I looked all over for you. I saw you messing off outside. Thank you for yelling at me. I appreciate it. He then goes, you can't be in the shop unless you're getting tools or parts. End of story. And he proceeded to call me stupid. Mind you, this wasn't my first rodeo and maintenance. I went to trade school and worked trades all my life. The next day rolls around, I get a screwdriver and a wrench and just walk around the nursing home. I'm talking to nurses, talking to my buddies in my department, hanging with the residents, etc. I'm basically getting paid to mess about. I hate to say it like that, but he just got to me because I was getting yelled at every single day. The screwdriver and wrench is the most integral part of the story. I'd walk around with them, tighten light switch plates, tighten pipes in the ceiling, etc. Even if it didn't need to be done, I pretended. The building was in phenomenal shape. It had just been renovated, so nothing was broken or needed to be fixed. So I constantly worked. My boss didn't like it, but I told him I'm working. I have tools, my job description says tools, and I'm fixing stuff. I got fired for no reason. It was three different things by the time I was escorted. I had a clean record, no write-ups. 
He just liked the power of being director of maintenance. I've now worked as director of environmental services at a school the last 10 years, enjoying it and making more. I don't know what it is about these guys, but some of these new bosses that come in, there's just no winning with them. There's just nothing you can do, especially the ones that come in and because you're at a certain level already and they feel some kind of pressure or need to increase productivity, they start pressuring you and telling you to do more and more. It's just hard to win with people like that. Our next story is by Bailey the Nerd. What the heck does the phone guy know about phones anyways? A.T. The time of this malicious compliance. I was working at a phone store and... I had been selling phones T this point for about five years. Though not by choice and for several different companies. Enough of me being slightly coy about this godforsaken evil company I worked for. Onto the malicious compliance. I'm waiting in my store for customers to show up when an older man in a suit walks into my store. Now, man in suit is definitely in a rush because my store was not in the best part of town. He's already a customer and starts asking about coverage in an out of the way area a few hours away. I checked maps and unfortunately we did not have coverage in the middle of that particular nowhere. So man in suit power walks out of my store and around the corner to a competing phone store that almost very definitely has coverage there. As expected, about five minutes later, he walks in demanding all the information he'll need to transfer his account over to competitor. I'm a helpful bloke, and it's not like there's any commission to be made with him anyways, so I start giving him a heads up. I say alrighty, I'll grab you all that info sir, but I also just want to give you a heads up before you head over there with this info. The phones you have need to be entirely unlocked before they'll work on competitor service. Man in suit says, they are, don't worry about it. Sorry I couldn't stick with your company. I say honestly man, it's fine if you want to switch to a different service. It's not like I'm going to lose any commission because you switched. I say but seriously, if you bought your phones from my company, then you need to call and ask to have them unlocked because it's not automatic and it takes a few days. The man in the suit says, no, it'll be fine. They'll just unlock them over there. I say I am 100% certain they can't do that. I'd recommend at least buying a temporary phone from competitor to hold you over until these ones get unlocked. I hand him the info he needs. Man in suit leaves and goes back to competitor's store. Five minutes before closing, and right on cue, man in suit walks back in looking panicked. He says, hey, I just transferred my service and my phone doesn't work. I say, you never called to have your phone unlocked, did you? He said, what? The guy at the other store said you guys could do it. I say, I don't have that power. I told you before you left. He says, I thought you were just trying to keep me as a customer. I said, I literally told you to buy a phone from our competitor because what you're trying was probably not going to work. To abridge the rest of the back and forth banter, apparently Man in Suit had a very important phone call he was expecting from a senator and could not be without his phone working. He begged me to reverse the carrier transfer impossible at that point he begged me to reopen his account with my carrier with the same number bouncing a number back and forth between carriers causes a lot of nightmares and would have made this situation worse he literally tried bribing me 400 dollars to fix it any way i could which i gladly would have taken if there was anything i could do i told him his best option was buying a new slash temporary phone from the competitor and using that until his current phone got unlocked. 
The competitor's store closed before he agreed to do that. He left the store basically in tears. I know this guy was under a lot of pressure, probably hurrying around, but if company number two says, oh yeah, company number one can do that, it's probably not something that's actually reliable. If I'm going over to a competing chain and they say, oh yeah, your old company can probably do whatever, don't worry about it, you'd probably want to worry about it a little bit and make sure it actually gets done. Especially when OP is telling you bluntly, hey, you're gonna want to do this or else you'll have trouble, but they just didn't want to listen. Our next story is by Oops Over Bombing. Put everything in one bag? Okay. I just remembered this story and felt I would share. Cut back to a part-time job I was working in a small grocery store. This is right after the county had passed a law, forcing us to charge for bags. Really just to give incentive for people to bring their own reusable bags shopping. This of course pissed people off to no end and they'd take it out on us. Quick side note, I was actually really good at bagging groceries. Like, I would get regularly complimented on my efficiency at it. People would say, give me three bags. And I'd counter, I can get it all in two. Anyways, I had one particularly grumpy customer who was very annoyed with the bag situation. He did not want to pay 10 cents for a stronger plastic bag. No, he wanted the 5 cent paper bag with no handles. He also demanded I make everything fit into one bag. I warned him, if I put this all into one paper bag, it's probably going to break. Are you sure you don't want me to split it up into two bags? But of course, he refused. Did I mention that along with some canned goods, produce, and a few other things, he had three bottles of wine? Well, I managed to pack everything into one bag and sent him on his way. Cut to three minutes later, this sad sack comes back in the store with a ripped paper bag soaking wet with wine, asking if we'll replace his broken bottles because his bag ripped. Thankfully, my manager shut that down and flat out told him no, because that wasn't our fault he didn't want to buy more than one bag or didn't use a cart. This is one of those moments where you look the guy in the eye and say, Listen, this is going to be pretty sketchy. I really recommend you use the plastic or split it up into two bags. Any accident beyond then's between them and God. And our final story of the day is by Wolf. He fixed my internet. For months, years, my internet was inconsistent. It would especially be problematic on windy days. After repeated calls where the cable company couldn't find a fault, we finally got a tech who bothered to actually check things thoroughly. He walked up the door with a badly degraded cylinder with a cable on either end. He said it was a filter that blocked channels we didn't pay for and it was broken, so we removed it. We were only paying for basic cable, channels under number 20 at the time. He said the problem was fixed and the ticket is closed. If the cable company wants to come out and put on a new filter, that's their business. And they did several years later. I probably got over 3,000 in free cable out of the deal, and the internet was excellent until I moved out. This is like one of those dream situations where the guy comes over, is like, oh yeah, this is a problem here, flips one switch, and all of a sudden you're getting 10,000 times more than what you're paying for. At least it didn't turn into some cable guy situation. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below.
And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.